You are listening to the EdTech Takeout from Grantwood AEA, an educational service agency that supports school districts in eastern Iowa with a focus on equity, excellence, and efficiency in education for all children. Welcome to the EdTech Takeout, the podcast that serves up bite-sized technology tips for teachers. My name is Jonathan Wiley. And I am Mindy Kearney. And we are here. Episode 5. Yeah, episode five is is Ken, sounds like some kind of milestone, but we probably shouldn't dwell on it for too long because it's really only episode five. You know, I feel like we've really come a long way, but yeah, what do you think about it? Episode five is really, I mean, we're still just babies in the podcast world. Toddlers, if you will. Yes, if you will. So um, this, well, last night I was uh, looking through Twitter. I'd been a couple of days, so I had all this stuff. And anyway, I have a question to ask you. Okay, I'm nervous. How how do you pronounce G-I-F in your world? Oh, my goodness. This is like, this could get us in trouble, Mindy. This, it could? People get, people get really, you know, passionate about this. I, I, I have always said GIF, but I know that GIF is an alternative, if not the correct pronunciation. How do you say that GIF? I say GIF as well. And then last night I was, um, I like to follow the Google guru on Twitter and they, um, I don't know uh, what, what the video was about. It was like a little screencast about something. But anyway, I went, the reason I looked at it and watched it was because they had the Jiffy peanut butter label Right. And it said GIF on it. And I looked at it, I'm like, gosh, that sure looks like a Jiffy peanut butter label. And the tweet said, are you saying G-I-F correctly? And I'm like, well, of course I am. And then I listened to it, and they're like, the appropriate way is to say it GIF, not GIF. You know, I think I think I read somewhere that the original founder, the person who created that file format, called it GIF. Well, then why didn't they spell it J-I-F if they wanted it to be pronounced GIF? That is a great question, Mindy. You should totally ask them. Maybe we could get them as a guest on the podcast. <gasps> but it is, it's, I was like, oh my gosh, have I been embarrassing myself for the last, you know, five years of my life saying GIF instead of GIF? And so I wanted to ask how you said it because I thought, wouldn't somebody have corrected me by now? I think both are technically acceptable in most circles these days. You have to be, um, yeah, I don't know. I think both are acceptable. Well, as long as it has your stamp of approval, I'm going to continue to say GIF, and I'm going to own it. Yes, Mindy, it has my stamp of approval, if that makes you feel better. And something else that has my stamp of approval are our top five websites for supporting reading and or writing, which is what we're going to start off the show with today. So, Mindy, why don't you hit us up with one of those? Okay, so um, my first website is Newzella. It's N-E-W-S-E-L-A, and I think there's a great reason for um, the name of this to have E-L-A in it because it's a great support for um, English and language arts. Uh, What's great about it is that uh, there are all these current event articles that students can read, and teachers can go in and sort those by um, grade level, and then from the grade level, choose a Lexile level that fits their students' needs so that all of the students in your classroom can be reading about the same topic, but they can be reading at their own um, level. And so I think it's great for all ages of students. It starts, um, I think, the first grade level that you can sort by is second grade. Uh, So you could probably have first graders, even some kindergartners using that. And 
what a great resource for uh, for teachers to kind of reach all of their students without saying, okay, well, this group is going to read this article and this group's going to read this article. And this way, all of the students can kind of be um, talking about the same thing. Yes, I like that one too. It's very, uh, very popular. Um, the second one on our list here, I'm going to tell you about is one that I only learned about recently and I learned about it from one of our literacy consultants here at Grantwood AEA and that is visuwords.com and it's v-i-s-u-words.com and it's kind of a, a visual way to represent vocabulary and, and words and it puts it into this kind of spider diagram this kind of flowchart type thing and it shows you how words are related to each other so they're all connected by different stems and each stem is color coordinated according to how it is related to another word so sometimes it will say is a word for so like as a synonym or it might say is a kind of is an instance of is a member of is a part of is similar to and is part of a verb group is a cause of something happening and i think when you're looking at vocabulary words in the classroom i think i would definitely have used this when i was Teaching in the elementary classroom, I think it's a great way just to visualize certain words. You just type in the name of the word that you would like to take a look at, and you get all these stems and relatives and nouns and verbs and adjectives that are related to that word, and I think it gives some really good conversations for the classroom. Yeah, and that one's pretty similar to our number three, which is Instagram. And this one is pretty new to me. I just uh, took a look at it probably like maybe last week. And um, it is kind of like uh, a search engine. So I used Abraham Lincoln as my example. So I type in Abraham Lincoln into this, um, the homepage on Instagram. And what it does is gives me like a, like a map of all of these different th- topics that relate to Abraham Lincoln. So there's videos, there's websites, there's images, there's keywords and facts. Um, and you're also able to add notes and change colors Um Really great resource. I love, too, that you can change the difficulty level. Um, so it kind of changes the view a little bit and then also changes the, um, you know, how much information is with the key facts and the language that they use. So uh, definitely take a look at that one. I, I was really impressed with that. Yeah, I think that one's been around for a little while, but it it's a really good one to have. I think they also have, like, mobile apps as well for iPad and Android. So check those out. Number four on our list is uh, a favorite of mine too. It's called rewordify.com. And it's basically a text compactor in terms of you could take a really complicated text and it will scan through it, taking out some of those more difficult or obtuse vocabulary words and replacing them with with something simple. So the example I usually give when I I show this to uh, teachers is I'll copy and paste like the U.S. Constitution or the Declaration of Independence. And it's got a lot of that language and vocabulary that we don't use as much today. And it will go through and it will find those words because it knows the words that are really um, awkward and hard for students to get comprehension of. And it replaces that word with an easier to understand word or with a, a simpler definition. So super simple and easy to do. You can just copy and paste the text, stick it into a box at rewordify.com and it will rewordify that entire text for you. You can also take a URL of a website and it will do the entire website for you and and rewordify that for you. It's also got some neat kind of interesting ways of uh, 
summarizing some of those types of words on there too because it, it can give you like a vocabulary list with definitions or without definitions, creates little word bank quizzes, uh, closed sentence activities, using some of that key vocabulary that it's replacing or that you want students to learn about. So it's 100% free and definitely worth a look. You can check it out at rewordify.com. That's a good one. I haven't looked at that, so I'll definitely have to take a look at it. Thanks for sharing that one. So the last one is, um, well, Gina Rogers, who's on our team, is a just loves actively learn. And so the other day I asked her to kind of, I sat down, she was sharing it with some other um, teachers and sat through, um, and she really shared some really great things about actively learn. So what actively learn is, is um, teacher creates a class and they are able to check out books for their class for a pretty nominal fee. Like I think they're like a dollar or four like a month and a half or something like that. You get to check out these books. And then the teacher makes the text interactive. Um, so they can highlight different areas that they want students to take a look at and then attach a video maybe that would help ex- to explain, let's say, something that happened during that time frame, maybe a, um, something about the Great Depression or something to help kids further understand maybe what the environment was of the story at the time. Um, students can have the story read to them. They can highlight it with different colors um, and sort those things by category. So if you wanted students to go through a paragraph and find the topic, uh, they might highlight that. And then the details, those might be highlighted in a different color. Um, Students can also um, put kind of like a little bookmark in and ask a question and pose a question to the rest of the class or the teacher. Uh, And the thing that I thought was really neat too was that – it gives the students the opportunity to define words in the reading that they don't necessarily understand. And it keeps track of those words so that then teachers could use those words as like a vocabulary list or words that they need to focus on. I really liked that a lot. Yeah, I, I like how flexible this one is. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at their website right now and it says you can add any content you want. You can pull in PDFs and Google Docs and, and websites. So although they do have that option where you can rent or buy textbooks online you can use those out of print texts and any other kind of uh, text that you want to to share with students so definitely uh, one of our favorites and one that we like to show in order to get students really actively involved with texts so those are our five top websites for supporting reading and writing we hope that you take a look at them and maybe find a great use for them in your classroom Well, that brings us to the next part of our show. The main course, the hot topic is podcasting in the classroom. We've got lots of people who now are kind of interested in podcasting or starting to think a little bit about how they can bring it to a school near them. And um, so we're going to talk a little bit about how to maybe get started if you're interested in, in doing a little podcasting yourself. But I think first we need to answer the question, what is podcasting? Yeah, I mean, podcasting is kind of going through a kind of a, a kind of a renaissance per se. I guess it's one of those things that are starting to come up with increasing popularity as as a medium for teachers to use in the classroom. It's not something that's new because it's been around for I don't know at least ten years. I I guess really, but um, I think a good place to start is is that definition. So. You know, we looked for lots of different places to get uh, a possible definition of podcasting, and we, we ended up on Wikipedia. 
so just for your interest, I guess, it says here, a podcast is a form of digital media that consists of an episodic series of audio, video, digital radio, PDF, or EPUB files subscribed to and downloaded through RSS or streamed online to a computer or mobile device. And the word itself is said to be a combination of iPod and broadcast, giving us podcast. So what do you think of that definition, Mindy? Um, I think maybe you need to bring it down to my level, Jonathan. Oh, really? <laughs> Why don't you explain a little bit about the RSS feed in there? What What does that mean? So, yeah, if you've ever used um, things like Feedly or, you know, we used to use Google Reader to subscribe, to subscribe to people's blogs, what it would do would be take any of those new posts and automatically drop those into your RSS reader, which would be Feedly or in the past has been Google Reader. And some web browsers have RSS readers built into them too. And it, so it's just basically like signing up for a, a newsletter where you get notified automatically of of new episodes to a podcast. So when you subscribe to something in iTunes, then you're subscribing to that RSS feed for that podcast. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's better. Now, now you brought it down to my level. Thank you. All right. I'm glad that helps. <laughs> yeah. So I guess when, you know, one of the things that's, that's always important, you know, is people think, yeah, that would be cool to do podcasting. But, you know, why would you want to have your students podcasting? I think it's always good to start with, you know, start with a why and then, you know, think about how that's going to fit in with the with the goals and curricular areas that, that you teach. And I think, Pretty obviously, you know, if you do anything in elementary or you teach um, in middle school or high school with uh, anything to do with speaking and listening standards, if you look through the Common Core or those uh, standards that you you teach to, you're going to find a lot of ways to just check some boxes very quickly with speaking and listening standards through a podcast because, you know, there's all that preparation, there's the performance, there's, you know, listening to other people's podcasts and things like that could very easily um, satisfy a lot of those speaking and listening standards. Yeah, and I think with that, it, um, one of the things I know that we often have to think about is how do we you know, engage our listeners and really thinking about the audience that you're speaking to. And, and that's kind of a big thing right now is that students really need to focus on who the audience is, what the message should be. Um, and I think that goes really well with the speaking and listening standards and not only that, but also the amount of collaborating that you and I do. Um, we don't do a ton of planning, but um, I think you it because we have kind of different styles and how we work and um, the way we think about things. I think it's really um, would make a would be a great experience for students in a classroom to learn how to work with people who maybe work in different ways than they do. And I know you and I, although we get along really well, come sometimes butt heads and have to figure out ways to, you know, work around something that maybe we don't agree on. And um, not only that, but then the writing um, and kind of the planning process of, you know, working through a show and um, maybe different sections and things like that. And that takes that takes a lot of extra skills besides just speaking and listening. So great things for students to, to you know, get their feet wet with and, and give it a try. Yeah, so, you know, you're getting into some of those 21st century skills as well when they're maybe researching a topic that they want to talk about on the podcast, writing skills, and, yeah, definitely that, that collaboration element. I mean, Mindy is an extremely difficult person to work with. <laughs> so, you know. You have not been the first person to say that. 
I'm only kidding, Mindy. I, I very much enjoy our, our times together during this podcast. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah so, you know, I, I think it helps also give it some authenticity for, you know, using technology in the classroom. You're not just using it for the sake of, hey, this is cool, we should use this. But, you know, because it really does tie into a lot of those skills that you're working on with students in the classroom. Yeah. And, and then taking, you know, the story that those students are telling about whatever topic they're discussing and sharing that with parents or sharing it out with the audience, it really opens up your classroom to, you know, a a really broad audience. And especially those parents who really want to know what's happening. You know, we're so much hopefully trying to get away from doing worksheets and things like that, but that means things don't come home. And then parents wonder, well, what am I, what is my student learning? I don't see any evidence of it. And I think podcasting can really be a great way to share evidence of what your student is learning, what your students are learning in your classroom. And um, it, it's really just given students a new format to kind of share their voice and share their ideas um, that, that maybe hasn't been done before. Yeah, I'm a big fan of, of that type of thing. Um, social media is great for, you know, showing parents and giving them a look into what's going on in your classroom. You know, Mindy, you talked about Seesaw recently and how parents can connect with that. that that's a great thing. And I was even talking to one principal the other day who said that, you know, you know, it's not uncommon even today for, you know, some parents not to want to have their, um, their, their child's picture or, in, in a video online anymore because you know that's something you absolutely should always get permission from parents to do and uh podcast you know helps anonymity for you know broadcasting and putting student work on, online out there so if you just did an audio podcast of a student you know you've not got their picture on the internet they're they're not in a video that other people can see who they are and and where they are and all that kind of thing it's just a just a voice on the end of a end of a, end of a speaker yeah, and there's nothing sweeter than like uh, the sound of a small child's voice. And big kids too. Okay, big kids too. But, you know, to hear their enthusiasm, there's there's always something about hearing someone's voice. Yeah. So uh, let's jump into how you might record that podcast because there is a, you know, there, there's a set system that you have to go through in order to achieve what you want to do with the end product on there. And, you know, Mindy and I have our system and, you know, maybe, maybe – what do you think later down the line, Mindy, about doing a, a behind-the-scenes episode where we unpack our process and uh, what we do on the podcast? Yeah, I think that would be exciting for people to kind of see. I think there's things that um, we do to get ready um, that would maybe be surprising to them. I yeah, I don't know if I'd say exciting is the best word. Maybe. But, yeah, okay, I, yeah. I, Excite- you're right. You're right. I, I overplayed. I overplayed my hand, but you're right. I mean, interesting maybe or surprising. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And a lot of that process is similar, I think, in in some ways to what you would do with students because, you know, just to start off, off the bat, you need some way of, of recording your students' voices, okay? So, I mean, I guess today we're mainly talking about like a, an audio podcast, but, you know, you absolutely could do it with video as well. And um, it just depends on what device you have as to what you would want to record with. Um I know on mobile devices like the iPad or the iPhone, iPod Touch, there's definitely some really great apps that we would recommend for recording your podcast. One of those that I came across recently and I'm constantly recommended to teachers is called Opinion Podcasts. And it's an iPad app that you can use to record, edit, and share your podcast. It's really an all-in-one podcasting solution. So if you have an iPad 
I would definitely take a look at that. The free version is limited to, I believe, 10 minutes per episode. But you can have as many episodes if you as you want. So you could, if you have a lot to say or a lot to talk about with your students, maybe split them up into smaller groups and just have each one do a do a separate episode. Um, another one that we like a lot is called uh, Voice Recorder Pro Seven, I believe, is the latest version. But if you search Voice Recorder Pro, you'll be able to find it. It's just a really nice, you know, audio recording app that has a ton of sharing options as to to where you would like to to put that recorded audio. Yeah, one of my um, favorite places to share it to um, that I've been kind of showing teachers lately is just to share it into your Google Drive. And their students are able to rename the file before they share it. And just opening up then your Google um, folder so that anyone can go in and view it. You know, you could pop one in there you know, once a week or once a month, or if you really get into it, a sh- you know, s- very short snippet, you know, once a day. And if parents know to go in there and check it, or you can just continue to remind people to go there and check it every time, then you don't have to get, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit, of, I think, about ways to distribute it to listeners, but that's a pretty simple way that most teachers have at their disposal. So I like that one a lot. Yeah. And another really simple, um, but complex at the same time, another st- simple option they have is to send your audio podcast to YouTube and to put an image on that. So it takes like your audio recording, an, an MP3 recording, and turns it into a video and puts it up onto YouTube. You can also save it to your camera roll on the iPad and things like that. But, you know, there's not really a good way. In fact, I don't think you can just upload a direct audio file to YouTube. It has to be a video format. So Voice Recorder Pro will turn it into that video stick an image on it for you, and upload it to YouTube. So that's a really super awesome way to to share that audio. Yeah, and the way that I use um, when Jonathan and I are recording is just simply through QuickTime. And QuickTime has three different options. It has um, video, audio, and screen share. And it's pretty simple. It's just um, clicking new recording, and you click the stop button when you're done. And you've got a file all created for you. I send it to Jonathan and he, well, he works his magic, which I'm sure he's going to talk about a little bit yet. But um, that's a pretty simple one, too, that is at a lot of people's fingertips, too. Yeah, good one for Mac users. Any other suggestions for Mac users, Mindy? Um, GarageBand is another one. I don't have a lot of experience with GarageBand. I've been in and played with it a little bit. But if you're not adding too much stuff to it, um, it's a pretty simple way just to put your voice on um, into GarageBand and record it. And then um, GarageBand is also great for adding music. So if you want to do an intro or an outro of music, uh, you can kind of lay those tracks down and put your voice with it. And then you have uh, a file created for you as well. Lay those tracks down? Lay those tracks down. Always wanted to be a DJ. I think I've told you this before. I like it, Mindy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to give you a, a kind of a cross-platform option here. So if you're using Mac or Windows computers, there is some free software you can get called Audacity. It's A-U-D-A-C-I-T-Y. And Audacity is a a recorder and editor all in one. So, I mean, that's an option for uh, Mac or Windows people. And I believe on, on Windows, there's a couple of apps that are built into the operating system that you could use too. If you're using Windows 10, you can look for the Voice Recorder app. And if you're on Windows 7 or 8, they have something called Sound Recorder, which I believe is kind of the same app, but they just renamed it for Windows 10. It can record up to three hours of audio. So if you're just looking for a 
really quick, simple way to record some audio, then Voice Recorder app or Sound Recorder on Windows is a good place to start. Did you say this? Is that a paid or is it just come on your device? I believe these are just built into the operating system. I have it on I have it on my Windows computers and I don't remember installing it at all. So that's just one I happen to find among the pre-installed programs. And then do you use Audacity or do you use Adobe Edition when you're recording? What are you using right now to record? I'm using Adobe Audition right now because we are fortunate at Grant Wood to have access to the Adobe Creative Cloud suite. Um, If you are just looking for a way to record a podcast, then Adobe Edition would probably be overkill because it it really does so much more than just record the podcast. But we're going to talk in a minute here about editing podcasts and I do my editing in Adobe Audition. So it makes sense for me, I guess, just to record it in Adobe Edition, and then it's already in there for when I come to editing. Um, So let's talk about editing, Mindy. You want to talk about editing? Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes the raw file has parts that you might want to cut out. and uh, No, that doesn't happen with us. You know, if people heard the original (laughs) version of our podcast, Uh, it would would not be very popular at all. It might be really comical. I think it would definitely be more comical, yeah. Yeah. Um, Definitely, sometimes you want to, I don't know, add some music as an introduction or... No, lay those tracks down. Say it the right way. Okay, sometimes you want to lay those tracks down (laughs) and mix in some audio from from different places. You might have like multiple student recordings, like, you know, on Monday this group records and Tuesday another group records, and you want to put all those groups together into one single file so you don't have separate files. And to do that, you need some kind of audio editor. So we got some options for you for audio editing too. Yeah, a little bit about editing. I guess I mentioned GarageBand earlier. Um, I'm, you know, Jonathan is definitely the editor. He's much better at this kind of stuff than I am. But when using GarageBand, um, a lot of what I would do is just do some listening and then I would cut it and piece it kind of back together. So it's got like a little trim option where you can trim off the fat to say, or the extra sounds that you don't want to hear. Um, and then just taking two musical pieces and kind of putting them to the front, you kind of overlay them a little bit onto different layers in GarageBand so that they kind of Um, And so just kind of piece them over top of one another so that they kind of fade into your voice or fade out your voice. Um, It's pretty it's pretty simplistic. Um, But like I said, I am not the editing guru like you have become um, in the last two months. So, yeah, if I were getting started, that's where I would begin. But you're a little bit more advanced. So what are your opinions? Yeah, I'm not going to say I'm an editing guru or anything, but, you know, GarageBand is is only available on on the Mac and the iPad, so it's definitely something you you could look at for sure. It's it's pretty straightforward. If you have ever edited a video before, you know, in many ways, it's not really a lot different than that. You know, you trim a little bit off the beginning, a little bit off the end. You split a clip. You know, you can do with audio very similar things to what you can do with video. Um, we talked about Audacity earlier for Mac or Windows. And we use Adobe Edition here at Grantwood, so it's just an option we have. Adobe Edition is not something I'd recommend as something to get started with because it is pretty complex in the type of things it does. And I have probably only scratched the surface with some of the capabilities of what it does, but it works for my workflow and um, it's something that we use. So Adobe Edition or Audacity, which is 100% free. Audacity does a lot of the things Adobe Edition does and... It's free for anybody to use and download. 
On the iOS side, uh, we talked about the Opinion podcast app. It does have a built-in editor, which is super simple and really easy to use. You just play back the audio, and when you get to a bit you want to trim out, you just pause, and then there's a little scissors icon. You tap on the scissors, and it splits your clip like that. And then you can just do as many splits as you want, delete sections, and it you know merges them back together. So that's super nice. There's another app for iOS that's maybe worth a look. It's called the Ferrite Recording Studio, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes if you want to take a look. But the Ferrite Recording Studio is kind of like a multi-track editor for the iPad. And I guess at this point, I'd also like to just throw in a a couple of ideas or links here to to music, because we talked about music and laying down tracks or whatever Mindy does. (laughs) Um, And, you know, do you have favorite sites, Mindy, that you go to for getting royalty-free music that schools could use as part of their podcasts? Um, I would love to say that I have a favorite spot, but I don't really. Usually what I do is um, I can, I often just Google like royalty-free music and then look through websites. So um, I am, I think a lot of times it just depends on the kind of music that you're looking for. Like I um, tried Sounds of Bounds. Is that what it is? Is it Sounds of Bounds? Yeah, Sounds of Bounds is free to all teachers, students, and parents in the Iowa school districts because yeah. that's something that the state of Iowa buys for for uh, students and teachers to use at school. So Sounds of Bound is a, is an option for those people. Um, so I have looked at Sounds of Bounds and have used that um, a little bit, and then also free free play music, and it has. Um, you know, music's the music that you can use to start your projects. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't still be looking at and citing um, where you got your music from and who it belongs to. So um, if you're looking at free play music, just because it's royalty free and that you're able to use it doesn't mean that you shouldn't still cite it and give credit where credit is due. Yeah, and I'll just throw one more in here since we're in this editing portion of podcasts here. There's a site called makerbook.net. And makerbook.net is kind of dedicated to just finding the best free media that is on the web. So it doesn't just have audio resources on here. On this website, you can find uh, free photos, free graphics, free fonts, free videos. Uh, But they do have a, a section dedicated to audio, and it lists a number of best places to to get free audio from music and loops and things like that so i probably free play music is on there they have uh lots of different places you can go and you know get some free audio so definitely take a look at makerbook.net it's a free site for anybody that would be interested in getting free media for their schools all right so most important thing probably how to get it out to listeners right is to share the podcast that's why we podcast is so that we can you know, share it out to the world, share it global, globally. And um, one of the ways that we do that is um, by using Podbean, which then, okay, now this is this is where I'm going to try and get technical, gives us our RSS feed, right? Correct. Which then puts it into iTunes for us, right? So iTunes pulls the RSS feed from Podbean so that it can distribute it to listeners. Is that right? Did I get That is it? correct, yes. Oh, yes. See? Two points. You're learning. Two points. I am. Yeah, so we use Podbean. There's other places that you could uh, send your podcasts because Podbean is a paid service. They do have a free plan, but it's going to limit you a little bit on how much you upload there. Um, Some popular ones that you might want to think about would be maybe SoundCloud or Audioboom. They both have definitely some some great hosting options for for schools that want to put stuff up there. 
the opinion podcast that I can't stop talking about. That app does really can't stop talking about. Okay, I, I really like it. I, I don't know. What I else know to say. you do. I know it's a great one. I'm just joking with you. Yeah, but when you create something in the opinion podcast app, it automatically uploads it to their servers and it stores it for you and it gives you that RSS feed that you can submit to iTunes and have your podcast listed on iTunes. So you know. SoundCloud, Audio Boom, Opinion Podcast, they're all great places to um, to host some audio. Yeah, and like I mentioned before, too, with Voice Recorder Pro is just using your Google Drive and having a folder that anybody can access is a great way. Um, and to embed it in your class website. So just take that audio file and, you know, embed it in. Easy. People can go back and check it, especially if you're not – I mean, it's great to share it out to the world. But if you're just getting started and just kind of want to see how it's going, if you're just testing the waters and just want to share it with parents for right now, you know, your drive is a great, easy, free way to take care of it. And also just embedding it on your classroom website. Great way. Easy. Yeah. And if you're not a Google school, you can use OneDrive, Dropbox, Box, any of those cloud providers are, are great places to put it. Um, we also talked about putting it on YouTube. Um, people may or People may or may not know that we actually put the EdTech Takeout on YouTube. Um, we're just another way or medium that people can have to, to listen to the show. So if you prefer to listen to this podcast on YouTube, just, just have it playing in another tab on your browser or on your mobile device. We're on the Grantwood AEA Digital Learning Channel on YouTube, and you'll find all our episodes on there. I send those up to YouTube with the Voice Recorder Pro app that we mentioned earlier. All right, so um, kind of as we were getting started, um, kind of talking about, well, how would somebody do this in their classroom? You definitely probably want to find a quiet spot for your students to do their recording. Um, We know classrooms can get noisy, and sometimes the noisier the better, but you definitely want to have like a station or someplace where they can go where they can quietly record. It's okay if there's going to be a little bit of sound. It's not going to be, you know, perfect if you got some sound in the background. That's what a classroom is. That's what a school sounds like. But you probably want to establish a little bit of a, a special place. You might even want to consider getting some sort of microphone. Uh, we started with the um, snowball mics, right? Weren't they? Are they snowballs or is it blue snowball? What's their actual correct name, Jonathan? Yeah, snowball mics. They're made by a company called Blue Microphones or Blue. So um, blue snowball mics is what we started with. We have graduated up to the blue yetis which are a little bit higher quality and give us a slightly nicer sound on the on the podcast. But, you know, any kind of USB microphone that you can plug in is going to be an improvement over the built-in mic that comes on your laptop or your mobile device because it's just going to be a better quality. The microphones that are put into devices for recording are, are great for just some average standard recordings and for some quick things on the fly but if you want to have some better quality sound we definitely recommend some kind of usb microphone would be would be awesome to use and you know just while we're on that yeah you can actually take a usb microphone you can plug it into an ipad or an iphone there's adapters that apple makes uh usb camera adapters they're meant for plugging in digital cameras originally but you can take that same adapter and plug a USB mic in. So if you're thinking, how do I get better sound on my iPad or my iPhone or my Android phone or whatever you're recording on, then, you know, those USB adapters are available that you can plug those mics into. Yeah, and definitely maybe um, talking to your students about how to plan ahead. Uh, Maybe, you know, I always use a lot of graphic organizers, but definitely having some sort of plan so that we plan out our whole show um, with some talking points here and there. So we kind of have an idea of where it's headed. And I think that's a pretty important piece. Um, 
But I think another thing would be then to kind of find some podcasts for your class to listen to and maybe come up with some good characteristics of podcasts that you really enjoy. And um, I know, Jonathan, don't you have a couple ideas of places where you could go or classes that are doing some classroom podcasting that might give people a place to start or some ideas of, you know, what are some topics the kids are talking about? So do you have some of those? I certainly do. And, you know, some of these are, are current podcasts and some of these are just ones that people have done in the past and, have, and they've left up there for sure. But um, and we can we can link to all these on, in the show notes. But there's uh, one called The Fifth Grade Fever, which is fifthgradefever.blogspot.com. And this is a fifth grade class that did daily podcasts for a while. So it's fifth grade students in Lockport, Illinois, and you can log onto their website and just find all the podcasts that they did. And they hosted theirs on Audio Boom, so that's a great place to um, find and see some examples of what they did. Some of it was just things like, you know, I don't know, I'm looking at them here now. So today was National High Five Day and Earth Day, and they did something for there was National Dolphin Day. Did you know there was National Dolphin Day, Mindy? I do now. I know. Well, you know, we should listen to this podcast on the National Dolphin Day and see see what the kids had to say. So this was really, I thought it was a good example because it was like a daily student-created podcast. So they did this every day. They just, students took turns and they shared on some of the things that they did. Um, if we wanted an example from the Awesome Opinion Podcasts, uh, Shelly Fryer has a, has a great one called Room 108, Oklahoma City. And she's got 27 episodes as I, as I talk right now that you can go back and look and see what the students have been working on there. I mean, again, they're, they're pretty short episodes, but they are just a great way for students to have that voice out there. And because it's part of this Opinion Podcast Network, you get your own website with a list of all the episodes on there. So you can go back and listen to any of them any different time. Um, we've got Mr. Lewis Cooper's Mountain Fifth Grade again, it was in Beaverton, and you can see some of his podcasts on there, a lot of kind of social studies and science type examples when they're talking about the pilgrims coming to Plymouth, or um, there's one here on Jamestown, uh, the body system, how the body works, and they're talking about all the different parts of the circulatory system. Uh, Chinese New Year, Black History Month. So they've done a lot of great episodes. Theirs are all on SoundCloud, and you can listen to any of those, maybe share those with students, give them you know, the model examples for those. I mean, some of them are only three or four minutes long, and some of them are like 11 minutes long or 16 minutes long. They just vary, and you know, there's no set length that your podcast has to be. And I know when people have been asking me every so often, like, you know, how long do you think your podcast will be? And I I just say I think it'll be as long as it needs to be. And so it's not going to be any set length. It doesn't have to be any set length. Yeah, I think even if you just begin, like I think about, you know, when I used to teach, how would I get started? I think I would have done just like a daily weather report and given everybody a chance, you know, tell me what the weather's like out today. What does the sky, is it sunny? Is it partly sunny? Is it windy? Just tell me a little bit and give it a try. I don't think you need to be overwhelmed by, I mean, those podcasts sound amazing and sound like a lot, but just find something simple and easy. You know, we're going to say one thing that we learned today and just kind of give it a try and might have a class that really takes off with it, you know, and has all kinds of ideas of things that they want to do. Um, but I think it's definitely a, something that you should take a look at and maybe just give it a try and see how it goes in your classroom. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But it's definitely something that I think might get kids excited about explaining what they've learned. 
yeah, kids always like to see themselves published and see things that they've done shared with other people in, in whatever capacity that is. So I think that's a great way to do it. You know, start small. I don't know. Instead of doing an, an email newsletter, do a, do an e- email your podcast you know, to parents and let them know what's going on in the classroom. There's lots of different ways you can do it. And, you know, if you get stuck or you need help or you want any advice, Mindy and I are passionate about podcasts. So, you know, hit, hit us up on Twitter, email us, podcast at gwaea.org. We'd be happy to help out in any way we could. Yeah. And share it with us. If you've, you know, gotten started and you want to share it, we'd be happy to retweet or um, send it out on Twitter so you can get feedback from, you know, other teachers too and and have it shared if, if you're ready for that. It'd be exciting. We could talk about their podcasts on the podcast. We could. All right, last but not least, my maybe my favorite part of the show, the Tech Nuggets. And I believe, Jonathan, you get to go first today. I seem to always get to go first. Is that? Oh, do you want me to go first? N- ladies first? No, no, I, it's okay. I'll go first. That's oh, okay. Not a lady? Fine. I got you. <laughs> I'm going to skip right past that one and I'm going to go to my <laughs> Tech Nugget tip, which. Today is going to be something I think is going to be popular with a lot of teachers because earlier on we were talking about how, you know, there's those times where you maybe don't always want your student's face online in a video. Parents don't always get permission for that, but you might have been recording a video in your class where accidentally they kind of wandered across the screen or you're panning around and you caught that student, but you don't have permission from the parents to put that video online. This is, I think, potentially the perfect tool that will help solve a lot of those scenarios because YouTube introduced a way to blur faces in a YouTube video, which I think is really interesting and important for schools that are concerned about student privacy, like we all should be concerned about student privacy. And it's just something that's worked into YouTube now. And we'll put a link on the show about how to do this. It's a little bit of a step-by-step you know, there's a lot of clicks you have to do to get this to work and to find out how to do this, but it works on any video that you have uploaded to YouTube. They have these blurring effects. Now, you may think this sounds familiar because YouTube has had these blurring effects for a while. They had this way to automatically find and blur faces, but it was never really all that good. It didn't work all that well. The blurred area was like huge sometimes and blurred like the entire video and strange things like that. So they introduced this new one called custom blurring that lets you choose the areas of your track uh, to blur. And you basically get this little crosshair and you click and drag a box over the face of the student that you would like to blur out. And it's got this built-in machine learning that will, if the student moves around the screen, as long as it's not too erratic or quick, the blurred area will actually follow them around the screens, which is really very cool. So I have an example on on my website that I'll I'll share in the show notes here, just of my two kids goofing around on video and blurring out their faces on there. You can choose the duration of the blur on the timeline at the bottom. And if you want, you know, that blurred image just to stay in the one spot for the entire time, maybe, I don't know, you're filming kids outside and there's front of a car license plate or something like that, you could blur out the license plate and hit lock, and then that blurred area will not move around the screen no matter what happens in front of it. So it will blur out that part of the the video. So I, I just think it's a really interesting option for schools 
who may have parents that are hesitant about having their kids' faces shared online. I know I'm kind of hesitant about that with my own kids, but just to have that option to blur out student faces is pretty awesome. Yeah, and that's new, what, just in the last couple of weeks? I believe just in the last week, yes. In the last week, yeah, that's a good this one. This is hot off the press. Hot off the press. Piping hot. Piping hot. All right, well, mine, um, you know this, Jonathan, but maybe our listeners don't. I don't think I've mentioned it before. I am learning everything there is to know about Minecraft right now. Just like I'm learning everything to do with opinion podcasting. Yes, that is true. <laughs> That's right. All right, so I've been learning everything I can about Minecraft, and I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old, and um, when my six-year-old started Minecrafting like a year and a half ago, I could see how amazing Minecraft was, um, how it could be used in educational ways. Um, I just didn't, I don't know, I just never sat down to learn how to do it. Um, and actually I did, but I didn't really pick it up very quick because I'm an adult and apparently we don't learn things very quickly. But um, one of the things that my son loves to do is watch these videos that like pro Minecrafters create. And he watches um, music videos where they have like they change the words to songs to match like the Minecraft theme. And then they create a video that goes with that. Loves it. I mean, would watch it for hours. I had no idea that even existed. Oh my gosh. I'll show you some of it. Well, I'll show. Okay. So let me continue. Okay. I um, feel like sometimes those Minecrafters aren't necessarily like always child friendly with the language they use or the themes that they have, which is, you know, as older kids or whatever is neither here nor there. But when my six year old is watching those videos and I hear words that I don't feel are appropriate, um, I get a little antsy. So I read um, from the Chicago Tribune, um, and this is an older article, so this isn't brand new. Um, there is a website called um, cleanminecraftvideos.com, and it was created by a 12-year-old and a 13-year-old. The 12-year-old's name was Mitchell Brown, and the 13-year-old's name is Scott, I'm probably not going to say his name, Roblick. And... Um, so the reason they created this site is because one of their little brothers really likes to play Minecraft and he was playing in his room and um, one of the kids heard some not like great language coming from whatever he was watching. And he thought, I need to make this better for my brother. This is how kids make a difference. This is amazing. So um, what he does now is he combs through different Minecraft um, videos and watches them all the way through and make sure that there is no profanity used. He reads the chats. If there's any chats in the videos, he reads those to make sure there's no profanity. And he shows no battles whatsoever. Um, and then puts these into this video that he's created. And he says that he updates it weekly and personally screens those videos himself. And he charges charges. 99 cents for a lifetime membership. 99 cents for 99 lifetime? 99 cents, yes. Wow. I, I, I know. It's just like, it's kind of like a feel-good story, but at the same time, I'm like, well, of course I bought the lifetime membership for 99 cents, you know? Um, so if you have kids or if you're looking to do get Minecraft going in your classroom and want to kind of share some of those videos, this is a great place. Spend the dollar and um, have 
you know, the songs, the videos, the, there's tutorials. It's it's a great little resource for people getting started with Minecraft, especially with young kids. What a great story and example of how, you know, kids are being creative with technology and and taking something that they would do normally and taking turning it into a business of kinds, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, th- these kids are probably just watching Minecraft videos all the time anyway, and all they're doing basically yeah. is taking the ones that are good and clean and putting them on their website and sharing them with other, pe- other people for the greater good. So I applaud them both. Me too. Very cool story. Okay, so we're going to finish with a couple of shout-outs here. I've been conversing back and forward a little bit with Ryan O'Donnell on Twitter. He is Creative Ed Tech. He said he's been listening. Wait, back up a second. Back up a second. Did All you right. just say back and forward? Yeah. Did you say back and forward? It's back and forth in America. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's what you said. I thought that's what you said. All right, continue. Okay, so we're going to finish up the podcast here with a few little shout-outs and feedback that we've had on the show. Um, I've been conversing back and forth with Ryan O'Donnell, who is Creative EdTech on Twitter. He says he's been listening to the show, and he also has his own show that I have been checking out as well. It's called Check This Out with Ryan and Brian. So I'm going to give them a shout-out because I think that's a, a really useful and interesting podcast for educators, and it's going to appeal well to this type of audience if you're interested in using technology in education we've also had a number of uh, interesting itunes reviews have you been checking these out mindy um yeah i've looked uh, well i have i do have a favorite review but i think we're going to get to that review yet so yes i have been looking at them a little bit off and on i check them out mm-hmm. sure i mean we always like to you know get feedback from people and itunes written reviews is, is one way we can do that so um, AS Principle says, wow, great tool to share out to people. I learned about many different topics in just one podcast. Can't wait to listen to the next one. Um, somebody else says, I love listening to Mindy and Jonathan. I've learned a lot from this podcast. So, yeah, we really appreciate that feedback. We loved hearing from those people on there. Which uh, particular review were you referring to, Mindy? Yes. So uh, my favorite review so far is this one. It's from Podcast Patty. Thank you, Podcast Patty, for sharing. That Jonathan has a sweet accent. Australian, I think. (laughs) Yeah, I I figured you'd pick on that one, Mindy. Um, So I I think we talked back in episode one that I was originally from Scotland in the UK, but I I can totally see how my accent could be um, attributed to any number of different nations because I feel pretty well-traveled now. I grew up in Scotland and spent most of my life there, and I I taught and worked there for a while. I also lived in England for three years, so you know I maybe got some twangs of English accent in there somewhere. Now I live in Iowa, so I don't know. I'm sure I'm going to have a Canadian accent before too long. It's just going to get really crazy. Yeah, so please, you know, keep those reviews coming. Um, We very much appreciate all those uh, people who are writing in and leaving us reviews on iTunes. You can do that with any Apple ID. You can also email us any feedback to podcast at gwaea.org and tell everybody you know about this awesome new podcast you're listening to called The EdTech Takeout. Until next time. This has been The EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot. For more information on today's episode, please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast. 